You may never get reconciliation. You may never get restoration. And sometimes these things are outside of our control. But what is in our control is this. That from this day forward, I will no longer be held hostage to the past, to its hurts, to its pain, to its anger. And my focus is now on the living God. Father, forgive me that I lived back there. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Over the last few weeks, as you're aware, we have been steadily working our way through the Lord's Prayer, as we said moments ago. And this morning we're coming to verse 9. In Luke chapter 11, you have the other version of the Lord's Prayer when one of the disciples says, Lord, teach us how to pray. And this is how Jesus responds. Uh, and we have it here, Matthew chapter 6 at verse 9. Jesus begins, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading of His Holy Word. Often on a Sunday morning, I try to begin with a humorous anecdote or a witticism or an email that has been sent to me that will be a nice introduction to our study for that morning. But I have to confess, I can't do that this morning. Because the subject we are about to look at this morning is so sensitive. It may leave you feeling tender, vulnerable, angry, annoyed. So I did want to begin by giving you a heads up. Now, the study that lies before us is not an easy study this morning. At First Prayers, over the last couple of years, we have been unrolling our vision plan for the next five years, and in that process, we've asked ourselves some tough questions. We've asked ourselves, what are the things that define us as a congregation? What are those things? What are some of our core values? And on Sunday morning, as we gather, my prayer is always that we will learn as a congregation this will be a place of learning. It will be a place to wrestle with some difficult and personal issues. It will be a place to ask the hard questions. But it will also and supremely be a place where we engage with the living God through His Word. And that's my prayer this morning. Now, all of that being said, let me bring your mind back to June the 17th, 2015. It was a Wednesday, 
And that Wednesday evening, Dylan Ruth, or Ruth rather, attended a Bible study at the AME Church in Charleston. And at the end of that Bible study, he got up and shot to death nine people. He was arrested a day later and appeared in court at the end of the week. And the judge gave family and friends an opportunity to speak. And this is what some of them said. And this is from Nadine Collier, a daughter of a victim, Ethel Lance. Nadine said this, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. Yet, if God forgives you, I forgive you. Felicia Sanders, mother of Tawana Sanders, said this, We welcomed you on Wednesday evening to our Bible study with welcome arms. You have killed some of the most beautiful people I know. Every fiber in my body hurts, and I will never be the same again. Tawanza Sanders was my son, but Tawanza Sanders was my hero. Tawanza was my hero. May God have mercy on you. And the relative of Myra Thompson speaking after the court hearing said this, I would just like him to know that to say the same thing that was just said, I forgive him and my family forgives him, but we would like him to take this opportunity to repent. Repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters most, to Christ, so that He can change him and change your ways, so no matter what happens, you'll be okay. Can you imagine what that took within three days of losing someone you loved and cared for? In the days immediately after the Charleston shooting, there were no cars turned upside down on King Street. No stores had their front windows smashed. No superstores were trashed. There was no looting and no stealing. But between 10,500 and 12,000 people marched out of the city up onto the bridge and prayed and sang hymns and then went home. And they went home because the forgiveness of the family, the grace, and the love of God was at work across an entire community of people. People who were grieving were hurt, debilitated, emotionally wounded and crippled. People who may never get over it, but will learn to live with it. When we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about and pray for thy kingdom come, 
We are praying for the rule and reign of God to be at work in our lives in a deep, profound, transformative manner. That's what we're praying for. And we saw it right there in Charleston. This morning, as we come to look at forgiveness in our own lives, this will be hard to do. And it will be hard to do for several reasons. As Christian people, we know what it means to be impacted by the gospel. We know what it means to have our lives transformed. We know what it means to have intimacy with the living God who means everything to us, who's not only forgiven us, but transformed us and brought purpose and meaning and focus into our lives. And we are forgiven people who have an intimate relationship with Him and can walk with Him each moment of every single day. That's what it means to follow Christ. Some of us are here this morning, and we're struggling. And it may be that you were engaged to be married. The date was set. Family and friends are excited. You were dreaming about the future, full of hopes, full of great expectation and anticipation of what was to come. And then the person you were engaged to broke it off, and your life is falling apart. How do you respond? What if you were involved with your best friend in a close relationship, the kind of person you would speak to on the phone every other day, if not every day, and you would text? You'd meet for lunch. You could share anything with your best friend. They were the person who knew you most, understood you. They got it. You were deep, abiding friends. And something happened. That friendship was fractured. It ultimately ruptured. Nasty and ugly things were said. And today, you no longer speak. What if you're coming out of a marriage in which your spouse had an affair, and you feel belittled, disgusted, despair, despondent, and you have no earthly idea how you will ever get your life back again? It dominates your every waking moment, and you are raging inside. How could they possibly do this to me? Why would they behave like this? What is going on here? And you don't know what to do. How do you put your life back together again when there is incest in your family? What do you say if you were the victim of domestic violence? Domestic violence in your home, the place where you are 
to be loved and cared for and cherished and nurtured. And all you received was violence in return? How do you get your life back together again? Well, this morning, as we get deeper and deeper into the Lord's Prayer, those are some of the issues I hope to focus on. Now, before we get any further, allow me please to build in a couple of caveats. And the first is this. If you have been the victim of a crime, you really need to report that, not just for your own well-being, but also so that such a crime may not occur in the future. At the close of our service, our elders and deacons and some of our pastors will be right here in the chancel area. And if you need to report a crime and need to speak with someone confidentially, that's a good place to start. When we talk about forgiveness, you may need professional help. And if you need professional help, speak to our pastors. They will certainly be able to point you in the right direction and meet with you and pray with you and help all they can. But if you've been struggling for years, you may need professional help. So let me define what I'm talking about this morning when I'm talking about forgiveness. And forgiveness is a huge subject. Let's start at the beginning. And I trust that by the time we're finished our study, we will at least have taken the first step in the right direction. We won't be able to solve every situation, but we will make a start. And forgiveness means this, that you forgive the offense, the hurt, the wound that someone has perpetrated on you. Now, let me say that again. Forgiveness is when you forgive someone who has perpetrated a hurt on you. They've wounded you, wounded you deeply, significantly, and it has caused you great pain. Forgiveness is being willing to forgive and to let that offense go. Now, having said what forgiveness is, let me be clear what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing what the other person has done. Forgiveness is not making excuses. It's not justifying it. It's not pretending it doesn't matter. It's not living in denial and pushing it down and pretending if I ignore it, it will go away. It's none of those things. And we'll get to them in subsequent weeks. But this morning, forgiveness has been willing to forgive the offense and the hurt and the pain perpetrated on you as an individual. Now, the next step in that process is reconciliation, and we won't get there this morning. And reconciliation means that you become friendly or at least get into some kind of working relationship with the person involved. And that may or may not come. It may be that the person who's hurt you and hurt you badly and left you 
crippled emotionally and psychologically. They have, may, may have moved out of state. You no idea where they're living. They may, in fact, have passed on, and reconciliation is impossible. And so you may not get to reconciliation. But you can get to that first gentle step of forgiveness. Forgiveness often falls into two categories. And the first is unilateral forgiveness. The other is transactional forgiveness. Now, let me deal with the latter, and then we'll focus on the former. Transactional forgiveness is when someone comes to you and says, I know what I did hurt you, and hurt you so badly, and I want to ask you to forgive me, and I want to begin again. I'm so sorry. That's transactional forgiveness. It's not always possible, but it's there. Unilateral forgiveness is when transactional forgiveness is impossible because of some of the situations we've described earlier. And unilateral forgiveness is when you are willing to say, despite the hurt, despite the pain, despite what that person said or has done, I am willing to forgive them. In the book of Acts, Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, was arrested for his faith. He was tortured, beaten, and subsequently stoned to death. And when he was being stoned to death, he was on his knees and prayed, Father, do not hold this against them. Talk of forgiveness and faith and grace and strength and the enabling of God's work in a person's life. Father, do not hold this against them. And where did that come from? What enabled him to speak like that? What was it that gave him the strength to live out his faith in the messiness and challenges of everyday living? He was able to say, the rule and the reign of God begins in my life, and I will not compromise with sin, and I will not go there. Father, do not hold this against them. That's hard. When Jesus cried, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's hard. That's tough. And you may be here this morning saying, Richard, you have no idea what I've been through. If you knew only this much of what I've been through, if you understood it, you wouldn't say these things. Richard, I don't want a glib response. I don't need a platitude. I need to hear a word from God that will allow me to begin to grow, that will allow me to take that first step, that will enable me to put it behind me because I am so angry. I am so hurt. I am so wounded. And you may be here this morning thinking along those lines, 
and saying, Richard, I could never do that because I want everyone to know what they did to me. I want everyone to know the kind of person they are. I want them to be punished for what they did and said. If that's where you are this morning, there is every possibility that the hurt and the pain and the debilitating nature of what you have experienced has now come to define who you are. The hurt, the pain, the anger, the despondency, the misery is defining who you are. But please hear me when I say this. You can live there the rest of your days, or your prayer can be, Father, give me the strength to take that first step. Allow me by your grace and your enabling to close the door, to turn the key, to throw the key away, and to stop focusing on the hurt and the pain and the debilitating nature. Help me to get rid of the anger and the despondency. Help me, please, to be rid of it all and to focus on what it means to be healthy once again, to get my life back, to begin to move on, to put it in the past. Please hear this. If you are living focused on the hurt and the pain and the anger and the grief, what you're doing is this. You are drinking poison, believing that the other person will ultimately die. You are held captive by your emotions, ransomed by your circumstances, focused on what went wrong rather than standing up and being cleansed and changed and renewed and given by the grace of God to move on. But Richard, I want vengeance. I want people to know. They should know. They had no right doing that. Please hear me when I say this. God can handle the individual who perpetrated the hurt and the pain. He can. Your reputation is safe with Him. What He thinks about you is the most important thing in this world, and He loves you with an everlasting love, and you are made by Him and for Him, and to enter into His blessing and His grace and fullness of life, you don't have to live here. You have a choice to take that step and begin to put the past where it ought to be, no longer held to ransom, no longer hostage to your circumstances or your feelings of powerlessness and impotency in the midst of it all. You can step away this morning and focus 
on wholeness and healing and health. What does the passage say? Thy kingdom come. The reign and rule of God begins in us. Forgive us our debts. Having been forgiven, having been transformed, having been loved, remembering that Scripture says this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we first started attending church, not when we first opened up the Scriptures, not when we first started praying or going to a men's group or a ladies' Bible study, but while we were yet sinners, He unilaterally stepped forward and died for our sins, and He is now asking you to live that out in your daily life. You may never get reconciliation. You may never get restoration. And sometimes these things are outside of our control, but what is in our control is this, that from this day forward, I will no longer be held hostage to the past, to its hurts, to its pain, to its anger, and my focus is now on the living God. Father, forgive me that I lived back there. Help me to forgive them for bringing this pain and hurt into my life. And enable me, please, to trust in you, to hand it over in all of its entirety, because you can deal with it, and I cannot. That's where it begins. And it begins with us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we ask, O oh God, O oh blessed Redeemer, that You would indeed do a supernatural work in our own hearts, that You would take away the hurt, the pain, the grief, the emotional wounds, the scarring, and renew us and refresh us. And allow us, please, to feel this day the warmth of Your love, the transformation of Your grace, and the opportunity to begin again. Father, hear our prayers. Grant us the strength and the grace to forgive as You have forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At First Presbyterian, we are delighted to invite you to come and join us as we celebrate the resurrection with services at 8, 9.30, 10.45 and 11. More information at fpceaster.com.